All right. How are you getting on? Are you well? Are you well? And she will be loved. And she will. Oh, I wish, I wish I knew how to stop singing that. I wish I had Adam Levine here and I'd grab him by his tight little denim lapels and I'd say, I wish I knew how to stop singing you. We've Tony Cantwell here from the Spotlight State School. He's only five. What are you going to sing for us, Tony? I'm going to sing a little bit of Maroon 5. Here we go. And she will be loved. Not a dry eye in a house if I was on that show. I'm jealous. Terry pointed out that it's of conflicting emotions between being proud of the kids as a father and being a young speech and drama kid myself and jealous of the kids. And I can't. And I and I tell you, it kind of fucked up. <laughs> it kind of fucked up the whole watching. I'm never going to swear again. By the way, I'm not swearing. Never going to swear. Never going to swear. Um, it kind of messed up the whole viewing of the. I don't know what funk I was in. I was flip flopping between beaming pride <laughs> of the children and just being so jealous of the attention that they were getting. And I, I you know, it's a difficult, uh, a difficult Venn diagram to be of being spoiled brat and proud father. Um, but I have to ask this, right? spotlight stage school how did they get how did they get in whose greasy whose palm was greased <laughs> whose greasy montrose fucking claw was greased with their uh, shekels <laughs> to get the spotlight stage school in there every year what about them the elite stage schools like the bernie delaney speech and drama school hello with popular marino alums like me uh, the Deep River Rock fella from the ads. Um, Claire Balding, influencer to the stars that she is. My cousin Omar. You know what I mean? The elite. You know, a serious alum. There should be a Wikipedia solely based around that. It's like it's like the, the Harvard Lampoon. Is <laughs> Bernie Delaney's speech and drama school. Where we were the worst, worst, worst pupils. Oh my God, I just wanted to meet girls. I just wanted to meet girls. I didn't want to get into the acting. I just wanted to meet girls. Anyway, look, um, <laughs> uh, and as well, what about the Maureen Gilligan School of Speech and Drama with her son, Brian Gilligan, who went off to uh, international fame by becoming a, a, a West End star in Once. West End musical theatre uh, performer, Brian Gilligan, who you might have seen recently as the, um, the cheese tease man. He's the fellow trapped in the mousetrap. He's got his leg up beside his head. Very flexible. He's now the mascot for cheese tees um, But anyway, no, come here to me. Um, yeah, whose greasy palm was shackled at Montrose to get the Spotlight State School in there? That's what I want to know. But you know what? I die. I didn't. I don't know if I even enjoyed it. I don't know if I had a good time. I don't know if I had a good time. And I kind of don't like. I kind of don't like my responsibility of being. No, I do. Look, of course, I'm very lucky that we're the third year in a row to be reviewing um, the Late Late Toy Show, you know, and on my 100th episode, 100th episode, and look, I'm not making a big deal about it, guys, please don't bring it up, oh my god, I just want to, I want to forget about, I'm so old, I'm so old, I'm just going to be like one of, you know those people who like just never bring up their birthday, you know those people who just make birthdays disappear somehow, every year you always forget it's their birthday, they seem to just get Harry Potter's invisibility green screen cloak and they just throw it over the entire month and you're like it's sometime in August, when is, oh, when is it, (laughs) like and they don't bring it up. And you're like, oh, is it today? And then you find out it was two days ago. And then everyone in the WhatsApp group was like, oh, sorry about that. Oh, yeah. 
They don't talk about it. Like, oh, I don't want to make a big deal. Yet you're happy enough for us to organise something for you. You're happy enough to be included in the happy birthday when someone else who actually organised their birthday comes along. Let me tell you this. You think you're being cool? It is fucking lame not to bring up your birthday, pal. And I'll tell you this. If I see you on your birthday and you don't tell me it's your birthday and I have to go home and then find out it was your birthday and feel bad about it, there's a fucking place in hell for people who are too cool to tell you it's their birthday on their birthday. Texting someone it's their birthday, and you're being real short with them. You're like, here, can you get that thing back to me? And you find out later it was their birthday. You're like, oh! But I'm over that. I'm over feeling bad about it. You, you, you know who you are. You think, you think I'm a fucking sham for making a big song and dance about my birthday, for telling people months in advance... To, in, when I tell people in June they need to clear October because we're having my birthday celebrations on these days, right? I had three happy birthdays this year, right? Three happy birthday songs. I was getting PTSD from people just coming out of uh, restaurants, coming out of the kitchen. I kept thinking it was going to be a cake with a candle on it every time. I was, I was getting so many. It was amazing, right? You think that's lame? Tell you what's lame, not telling people because you're creating, not only are you, you've stolen the magic of a happy birthday wish from everyone and you've made everyone feel bad. You're a sham, pal. Honestly, thinking I'm the attention seeker. I'm like, seeing people, on, that's the last thing I'm going to say, but you, you see someone on their birthday and then you had a conversation, you was kind of like casual, you weren't very nice to them, but it was fine. And as you're walking away, they're looking at you thinking, you are going to feel so fucking bad when you find out it's my birthday. And don't lie. Don't lie and say that that's not going through your head. People who hang out with people on their birthday and don't tell people it's their birthday. Don't even act like that's not going through your head. Of course it is. You're milking this fucking attention. You're milking sympathy. Look, hot take, right? And I think I stand by this. I'm going to say something extreme here, right? Seeing people on your birthday and not telling them it's your birthday is the same as seeing people when you got COVID and not telling them you got COVID, right? It's the exact same. It's going to get the exact same response the next day when people find out. Like, what? But I just saw... And you knew it was your birthday. And you didn't tell anyone. And you knew it was your birthday. I can't... The lack of responsibility. <laughs> I can't believe this. I can't believe what I'm here. It's the exact same. Imho. Come at me. Um, but anyway, look. Let's talk about what we're talking about today, which is a scathing review of the, uh, the Late Late Toy Show. But before we get on to that, I would like to take a moment to thank the sponsor of this week's podcast. In fact, this sponsor has been now sponsoring this podcast for a one calendar year. It is the Dubliner Irish Whiskey. I would like to thank them. They are a fine brand. They are a fine bunch of people, and they make a fine-ass whiskey. A faw, if you want to spell it out. <laughs> and you know what? A lot of people have said, I would love to wet my whistle, but I want some cheaper tipple, they've been saying. Even though it's a very affordable accessible whiskey, right? Not like big snobbery whiskey that you get up on the Orkney Islands of people going around with their monocles, right? Uh, with peat. Uh, not peat McGann, but, you know, like uh, like bogland flavoured whiskey. Do you like this? This is what someone asked me in an Edinburgh bar. Do you, like, do you like the burning? Do you like the taste of muck? He asked me, right? No! But I was being brave and I said yes and it was awful, right? So get away from the snobbery. Go to more accessible accessibly distilled whiskey with the Dubliner. But look, they got a promo code free. That's what I'm saying. A bit of a cheaper tipple to wet your whistle. If you go onto the DLD.com and you type in this radical coupon code, right? This is not the sort of one. This is not your granny's on Slack coupon code, right? Because it's a bit naughty. That's how fucking rock and roll. Honestly, you want to go into the distillery. It's like Mad Magazine. People wearing lampshades on their head doing mad shit, right? So this is their coupon code. It's fuck 
fucking raw, man. Fucking raw. My famous catchphrase that I completely mean all like all my catchphrase stole. Um well in this case uh from um from Gordon Ramsay. Type in fucking raw, you can get ten percent off all the whiskies on uh, the DLD.com and that includes the bourbon cask, an Irish whiskey with a hint of a wow wow west like myself. The honeycomb liqueur, it's like drinking a crunchy, it's a fantastic after dinner drink. You know the way you're sitting around at Christmas and you're like, What we do now? What we, you know, does anyone want an Irish coffee? Get one of those little honeycomb liqueur and as per Mark Jago's recommendations, get one of those little pods, make yourself a coffee, or even just a little whatever, a cafeteer with one of those. It's a, the most delicious Irish coffee you'll have. Um and as well as that, they have that old fashioned, right? For the madman in your life. And I mean that in terms of like Don Draper style. Someone who likes their cocktails. This is not a cocktail kit. It is the whiskey and it has all the spice blend that you would expect from an old fashioned. It's delish. I gave it to my uh, a pal of mine who was a tradesman and he liked it. <laughs> um, and um, and that's it. So go to the DLD.com, type in that code and you can get some money off for the month of December. It's fucking raw. 10% off the DLD.com. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk the toy show on today's Tony Cantwell shit show. Ah, lovely stuff, lovely stuff there from me singing the old theme song there. If that's your first time hearing the theme song, yes, that is me singing it. You know? Although I really should add a couple of sleigh bells in there for December, you know. Give it a nice little uh, Christmas jingly jangle, you know. Or at least, you know, I probably won't end up doing that. But at least let me add that idea to the pile of ideas that I'm never going to carry out, but I'm still going to kick the shit out of myself for not doing. Let me just add it to that pile. But anyway, look, we're not talking about that right now. We're, we're, you're here for the toy show, so let me get into it. But I, do you know what? I was going to say this at the end, but I'm going to say it up top. Because I think it's going to frame everything else that comes after. Okay. I didn't like, I didn't have a good time watching this toy show. And not in the same way that you always have it where you're like, oh shit, it's actually two hours. It's actually getting on a bit. All right, what's the crack when you not wrap this up? You know, especially if you're watching it on the player. More on that in a second. I didn't have a good time watching this because it kind of showed where the current state of RTE is, right? <laughs> oh my God. And I'm not like, I'm, there's specific people I think that are maybe. Fantastic at their job, but I th- I thought, well, let me just put it in this way, right? Okay, let me put it this way. The Toy Show in 2020 was the most broadcast television program that year and got more numbers than it's ever gotten in the history of the show. And given the fact that this is a show that is the biggest show of the year for Irish TV, that would kind of position it as one of the biggest television broadcasts in the history of the Irish state, right, last year. So this show of 2021 is the sequel to the biggest broadcast television event in the history in an era where television is dying right to be getting mash finale numbers right to be getting you know per capita you know super bowl numbers friends finale numbers you know even though mash was probably the biggest at moon landing numbers right in an era where people don't even turn on their tv and they watch everything on a laptop right that's that's the scale of which the viewers, people are watching it from all over the world. Even Tubbs is saying, look, you know, you might have to be an Irish citizen to get this. But he's pointing at the fact that everyone is watching it from all over the world. They probably have an Irish person next to them explaining that, you know, it's charming and it doesn't always go according to plan. 
but I'm fucking, I'm actually kind of done. I'm done with that. I'm actually kind of done with that. I'm done with the charming ineptitude of this show. And I'm so sorry. But it's also the same element of like, look, I don't, I have no confidence. I'm going to say this. I got, I don't have confidence in RTE's handling of the, of this, of the scale, the viewership scale of the toy show. And like, that's not to say that I want like a halftime show with fucking Will I Am or Fergie or anything like that. I'm talking about making sure that the toys have fucking batteries in them, that they're ready to go. And anything that can be done and salvaged and made sure that it's going to go according to plan, be air fucking tight. (laughs) Right. And the kids can go off and let Tubbs have the confidence that the rest of the show is going to go according to plan. The musical number is going to go well because you got, and I'm slagging them off, but the spotlight kids, to be fair to them, are seasoned professionals at this stage, right? That the toys are going to work. That the camera angles are going to point at the fucking toys at the right time, right? And and that, you know, if the kid then wants to drop something or uh, wants to say something outlandish or say some, spill a bit of hot gossip about their fucking parent, about them being hungover or something funny like that, then then they can shine, right? It's like, you know, kids say the funniest things or, you know, that even school around the corner, you know, on Ireland, on, on Irish TV and radio. Just that everything else is airtight, that they know I can bring the kid out, they're going to talk about X, Y, and Z or whatever. But like, I'm, I'm totally happy with the kids going off the rails, right? It's what you expect. And I think it's fine for kids just to have a bit of fun on the show. But everything else apart from the kids has what? Only had a year to get ready. Has had a year. When they do the Late Late Show, they don't know who the guests are going to be all year. They Maybe they do. Maybe they do. But I, I'd assume they don't know for every single week who the guests are going to be, who the musical guests are going to be, what the current affairs topics they certainly don't know are going to be, what they're going to be talking about. They know every single fucking year that on the last Friday of November, there is going to be a toy show. And on the toy show is going to be the most amount of people who've watched anything. People dusting off their fucking TVs. People logging in from around the world to watch. And I don't think it is treated with that level of respect for people's time. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is so. This is probably so boring. I'm sorry. But I honestly don't. do not have the confidence in Ortiz's handling of such a monumental task i feel like there's a couple of people who are making decisions that are like oh it's fine that's grand that joke is passable because honestly this show had a real whiff of any joke goes in we need time to fill rather than we have 10 hours of content that we've been carefully curating over the last year because we knew this day was coming where everyone was going to watch the biggest show of the year and we had to cut it down to two hours but that's not, I think, that is obviously not what they were doing. And if it is, then I'm extra terrified. I know you're thinking, get in your lane, fucking Instagram comedian, right? I know that. I know that. But as someone who's written three hours of material in the last, you know, four years, right? Some of it good, some of it a bit better. And I think, so, and then the most recently a bit better. I've gone through a process of the first time it was like, all right, I need to fill an hour so every idea is going in, even the ones that aren't fully developed, right? And those shows went okay, but they weren't particularly that funny, right? Then the shows where it's like, okay, well, I have the space for 10 bits and I've, I have an idea for 15. Me even getting to be selective about those 15 and picking it meant that those 10 were better. It was 10 better bits than the previous time because I got to be selective and the bad bits didn't fit in, right? And now I find myself, and only in the last year or two, 
writing bits and actually running it by people, which is what you should do, and say, do you think people would find this funny? And if people say yes, I put it in. If people say no, I'm not precious about it, and I drop it. And I especially don't think there's had to be fucking precious with these bits. And I don't think, do you think of the... 16 bits that were in this show, right? Including, you know, uh, putting a hand up an ostrich, um, which I like. I think they could have done something better with it. The fucking teddy bear mood board thing that they had, you know. Um, you know, th- of all the bits, did everyone look at those bits and think, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And if they didn't, then it's disrespectful, genuinely, I think this, to the 1.5 million people who were expected to watch this. Because it, it, it's this isn't fucking ineptitude of like a Christmas cracker where like you read the Christmas cracker joke and everyone can get in on the joke that it's bad. I don't think that's good enough. I think there needs to be a fucking Roy Keane producer in there saying you lads are high-fiving over a fucking draw. And I, think, and I think that there's enough time in a year of a show that you know is coming next year that you can figure that out. And I think, and I'm not talking about more budget, and I don't think you need more budget for the guests. I think there was even a missed opportunity as a kid who fucking was obsessed with DJs. There was no DJ there for him. There was a kid who was obsessed with fashion. There was no fashion there for him. You don't know about culture. You do not know. You don't. You didn't bring out fucking Simone Russia for the kid, for, you know, the fashion designer. Say, she's going to go on Zoom with her and tell her how to cut fabrics. You didn't get on to, you know, the DJ kid and say, even fucking, you know, 9 or 9, Marcus O'Lear. He'll show you how to, you know, Donald Sharpson. People would be like, look, I'm going to show you how to make some tracks. They didn't even give a sh- They didn't do that. They would def- These people would definitely get on that show and do it, but they don't know about that. My point is, it's not about throwing money at the problem, right? It's about taking the time, which is the one definite every single year, to write the bits, to plan. There's def- it's, it's not like there, there's some, some hot, trendy toy that's only going to be relevant, that's going to make the whole show obsolete by November. Taking the time, write the show. And some people do use that time well. I think the researchers do phenomenal work. I think the set designers do amazing work. I think anyone who has any involvement with some of the kids in there to get them in to do that on the day is genius. But I think there needs to be someone else writing those bits in between, coming up with the games for the kids. And there needs to be a hundred ideas on the fucking desk at D Forbes. And then needs to be taken off the desk at D Forbes and given to a fucking comedian who needs to pick the best ideas. But I think, I, I honestly, I just do not have the confidence. I don't have the confidence in them looking after the Eurovision. I do not have the confidence that they're going to pick the right act for the Eurovision. I haven't thought that. For, it, it, like, Leslie Roy is a phenomenal singer. But she's not at other voices. She's not what, you know, she's going to be going on tour with Brian McFadden, you know. But I wouldn't want fucking Brian McFadden going out there for us. I don't want Nikki Byrne going out there for us. I, I, I you know, there's the, the biggest revolution of fucking trad. You see how people are marching on the streets in Ireland. People are marching on the streets to protect the fucking cobblestone. And there's amazing new age trad that's being played right now. And there's no interest whatsoever to put that front and centre. This isn't about fucking winning the Eurovision. It's about saying, hey, the European stage, the world stage, including fucking Australia and Israel, this is the music that we're doing. And <laughs> Jimmy, I'm choking at my own rage here. This is the music that we're playing in Ireland now, if you want to come see us. It's a perfect tourism opportunity. That Ukrainian song that they had this year was the most fucking ridiculously badass knife, like, you know, like the fucking Swedish band. I fucking I was like, I now think of Ukraine different. I now think of you know uh, I actually to be honest think of Israel different because of the because of the, the the tune that they had. It's a perfect opportunity to reshape how you. But I again I don't feel, you know trust the competency of that. 
I do not think that they're putting their best foot forward. I don't think they know what people like. I don't know if they are trying to excel. I think they're people who are in jobs for life who are quite frankly happy with doing grand. In an era when TV is not being watched anymore and you are lucky enough to get 1.5 million people and you just think passable is good enough, I, I don't. And again, to clarify, I'm not having to go with the kids. I'm not having to go with the researchers who find the kids, who find these families, who make their dreams come true. I'm not having to go at the set designers or the researchers or the people who are forced to fucking drive out to somewhere to pick up a treadmill for one single bit in Hakuna Matata. I'm not having to go with the spotlight kids. I'm having to go at the, I suppose, the senior decision that... Some of the bits, and again, I'm realizing now we talked too grand about this, and I'm really just talking about some of the bits, which I'll talk about in a bit more detail now. That some of the bits just should have had another pass. <laughs> They're not great. But look, let's get into it here. It starts with a darling young girl with lovely dreads waking up during the nighttime. Is she a vampire? This is all the information we have, that she sleeps during the day. She, she sleeps all day and drinks all night. She might be a vampire or a corona. It hasn't fully been disclosed yet. She puts on a crown fit for a queen of Pride Rock. One of those kind of Broadway Lion King uh, crowns. This is the first little tidbit that this whole show is going to be Lion King themed. She goes out into the courtyard. It's Ring's End. It's a block of flats. The kids are having a banter out there. It's so nice to see a bit of community spirit amongst the flats. The only thing that takes me out of it is these kids, who are phenomenal actors, by the way, from the Spotlight Stage School, are all, with the greatest respect to them, culchies. And they're all from Calvin and Carlo. And they, you know, it really took me out of the whole Ring's End vibe, you know. Having said that, maybe they're part of this magical tunnel that Tubbs walks out of. Tubbs walks out from behind a lamppost. Yes, he's a skinny guy. But this skinny? It makes no sense. He's also carrying with him a big, long ladder. And he's wearing, uh, like, a cockney. He's dressed as a magic cockney. So, potentially, they have also come from this magic gateway from Calvin to Ringsend. It's not entirely clear. Um, And, look, the kids are good actors, but the script... This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. And I'm not going to get as heated as I did up top because I don't have it in me. But this is the kind of thing I'm talking about, right? There's a script here where the kids have to talk at the top of the show. And they're good actors, right? And they're saying stuff like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm a pirate. And why do pirates say are? You know, great question. Kids always ask that all the time because it's a Cornish inflection. It's not actually Irish. The first guy who played a pirate was actually Cornish. <laughs> anyway, but I, do, I wasn't there to tell them that. And then one of them is like, all right, I'm going to be Peter Pan. You be Captain Hook. As if these kids know who the fuck those two people are, with the greatest respect. I, I would say that is not even in their reference wheelhouse. It's like, they, it's more, I'm going to be Roblox and you be Squid Game. You know, that's what they're talking about now. They don't have a fucking clue who Peter Pan is. Do you think they're watching the hand-drawn Disney Plus animation? Do you think they're watching Hook by Steven Spielberg with Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman? Do you think they're watching Hugh Jackman's Pan, which was famously critically panned? Um, I doubt it very much so i bet they saw that in the script they were like who the fuck is that guy but aside from that they're talking about what movie characters they want to be and one kid says this is what i'm talking about this is dialogue that is not chuffa chuffa is a screenwriting term that is considered background dialogue say if you're in a cafe and the focus is on not the people having the coffee but maybe someone's robbing the till and the, the camera is on the person robbing the till but you hear people talking in the background and they might be like you know Peyton Manning's right arm's like a rocket. He keeps going for those Hail Marys. You know, some kind of NFL talk that you're not really meant to really listen to. 
that would be considered chuffa. A lot of the time, it isn't even featured in a screenplay. It's thought of, uh, uh, you know, on the day. But this is focused, front and center. What these kids are saying is rehearsed, it's planned, and this is the line of dialogue they say. And the greatest respect to the kids, right? They're great actors, but this is the dialogue that I'm saying has the eyes of 1.5 to 1.7 million people. One kid says, all right, I'm going to be a zombie. And the kids go, there's no zombies in movies, which I don't know what that fucking means. Other than maybe the kid who says that is the most sheltered, unfortunate little little soul. <laughs> um, who's never seen even Zombieland. If you're 10, come on, show the kids Zombieland. It's not even that bad. It's hyper-violent, but it's cartoony. It's, you know, it's like Tom and Jerry with zombies. Show them Zombieland, for God's sake. When I was eight, I was watching Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Me and my brother were being babysat by my, my granddad one time. We were watching Terminator 2, and it was the bit where he's ripping off his arm in front of Dyson, you know, Miles Dyson, and the kids are screaming because he's literally tearing off the skin off his own hand. And my granddad was like, are you sure you should be watching this? And this was like the 60th time we'd seen Judgment Day. And we laughed our asses off at the poor man. We laughed, like, Grant, I forgot, Jesus Christ. We laughed at him. So don't be so sheltered with your kids. But anyway, the kid says, I'm not going to be Peter Pan. I'm going to be a zombie. There's no zombies in movies, says someone. I don't know what that means. Maybe it's teeing up a joke. Here's the joke. Then he says, yes, there are. Lady and the Tramp had them. And then everyone says in unison, which means it's rehearsed, they're dogs. I'm a zombie. There's no zombies in movies. Lady and the Tramp had one. They're dogs. That held the focus of close to two million people (laughs) so that we could deliver that joke. Did anyone, did anyone suggest that there should be another joke? Did anyone say, why don't we have another go? Anyway, maybe the kid is just, maybe they're all insane. But if I was sitting there and my boy was watching Lady in the Tramp and he goes, there's a zombie. I'd be like, oh no, he's ruined. He's broken. He, he smells toast and can't feel his arms. I have to call the doctor. There's something wrong with my boy. But anyway, when one kid says she wants to be in The Lion King and the kids start, I am and all the animals are coming out. There's meerkats coming out of a fucking telecom iron box. There's a girl who looks like a kind of dog. She's having a great time, though. Um, even though whatever the fuck she is, maybe kind of a rat thing. She's having a good time. Giraffe lads start coming out who are clearly told these lads are in these giraffe costumes. They were clearly told to slow down. You know, sometimes you can tell that there was a director who was like, okay, now go much slower than you think is humanly possible because they are walking so slow. But to be fair, they are walking at the speed of giraffes. But you know, sometimes you might hear like a voiceover by a kid where they're like, Avon Moore is super healthy. Something like that, you know? And you can tell that that was the 18th take and the director was like, just say super, like your fucking life, like your man's about to be shot if you don't say it. Super healthy. You know, sometimes you can hear that. It's almost like these kids were like, walk so fucking slow that you feel stupid. Um, And I'm very jealous of their um, giraffe costumes. They look pretty badass. Um, then then Tubbs is there with the ladder and all he's done the whole time he's been walking around in a Mac in a trench coat he's been like shh in a, with a ladder down the flats let me tell you I'm not even from the flats but if you were rocking around uh, Marino with a ladder and a trench coat telling people to shh you know be some serious eyes on you and I tell you you wouldn't be MD3 the gangs would be after you to shut you down straight away if you were pulling that sort of shit in Marino let alone Ring's End um but anyway, so Tubbs is, doesn't do anything with the ladder. He basically shows up at a house that already has decorations on it, puts a ladder next to it, and then turns on the lights without even going upstairs. But what he does do is open the door for this girl. The girl walks through to her gaff. 
you know, oh, so sorry, all the animals kind of disappear. That's the whole thing. And it was all, it was all a dream. And then Tubbs is like, but why don't you go into your gaff now, now that I have a ladder leaning against it that I didn't do anything with the ladder. And dreams come true as she enters, enters Montrose Studio 4. And they're all here, the animals. And Tubbs with luck. Tubbs comes out, it's been said a thousand times. Right, this is not an original take. Comes out with a big fucking pair of bollocks on his knees, a pair of brown bollocks. And let me tell you this, it's not confusing. You don't confuse the shape of bollocks. Yes, you might be like, oh, that's a bit phallic, looks a bit like a Mickey. And you might be able to be like, oh, don't be so dirty. The Apollo rocket is not a Mickey. Similarly, you might be like, oh, doesn't that look a bit like a fanny? And you'd be like, no, that's just a jellyfish or it's just an orchid or whatever. You know, it can be left open to interpretation. But there is nothing other than bollocks that look like bollocks and his legs are bollocks as you can tell I love saying the word bollocks I used to love playing it do you ever play that game in school you say bollocks and the whole thing is that you have to be like say it louder than the last person said it bollocks you know we do it in student teacher would, would be in and it's mad just how like you know like the Beatles and the whole you know 10,000 hours of genius just the amount of hours spent in class the fact that you can read the ebbs and flow of sound to know exactly when the opportune time is to shout bollocks at the top of your voice and not let a student teacher know but I'll let everyone else hear it is honestly it is it is it is alchemy of sound <laughs> anyway I'm gonna move on um so then yeah Tubbs to be fair is coming out with a big pair of bollocks on his knees uh, Michael Fry called him uh, Nicky <laughs> Nicky Minaj's cousin's friend uh who obviously got the vaccine um he's got a set of pipes on him and you know what why not I like Tubbs I think he is a morally good person I think he he wants to find the truth and the the best in people and represent that I think he's the best host the lately I've ever had and you know what he's coming out he's singing he's got a set of pipes on him and why not and you know what if you're watching him singing and you were like Oh, this is a feeling I don't like. This is cringe. That is purely, and I need you to notice this about you, right? That is your own insecurity about hearing someone else attempt to do something that you don't like, all right? You need to notice that feeling, recognize it, vilify it, and name it so that you always know when that is pointing you in the wrong direction. Do you know what I mean? If you ever get that feeling being, oh, this is a bit cringe because he's doing something that maybe I would like to do, maybe, but I'd never want to get it wrong, know that that is the fear pointing you in that direction. And that's where you need to go. Or maybe you just actually just don't like his singing. <laughs> Either way, it's fine. But be sure to vilify the voice in your head. Anyway, Tubbs is singing. He's dancing with a big old pair of bollocks on his knees. And the giraffes are coming out. This is the bit. They jump on a treadmill for the whole Hakuna, Matata, Hakuna, Matata. What's a motto? What's a motto with you? And all I could think of is what was the poor researcher to have to drive, drive to their fucking dad's gap to pick up that treadmill? Because let me tell you, in film and TV, you think it's all like a big truck shows up and everything's on the back and they picked it all out from a catalogue. If they need something for the TV that they're only going to use once, they're sending an email out to everyone in RTE saying, does anyone have a treadmill? And there's probably some young researchers like, yeah, uh, my dad has one out in Monastery Evan. Uh, all right, great, can you get that in tomorrow? And they're driving out. They're missing points with the lads because they have to go out to their fucking dad's gaff in Monastery Evan. Then they realise that their Nissan Micra is too small for the treadmill. They have to borrow their dad's fucking high ace. And then they have to get the van back. And it's a big kerfuffle for one single bit. And that, to be fair, is the level of, of, of attention to detail that I expect across the whole show. Someone going out of their way to get a treadmill for one walking scene when they could have just done it on the spot, but it would have looked better with the treadmill, is the exact same attitude for all the bits. And there's the inconsistencies. But we'll talk about that more later on. Then we get on to the audience, and the audience, look, they do look grim. It looks grim. 
They're dressed up like animals in the Serengeti. Look, they have their face masks on. I understand they have to have to wear face masks. But there's gaps between the audiences, which I understand. They have, might have to do that as well, especially now, especially with Omicron showing up and everything. They might just want to be doing that. They might be playing it safe. But one of the stalls doesn't have gaps. One stall does. And in between the one where they do have gaps, they have these kind of Flintstone fucking rocks. They like, they have mini pride rocks between everyone. And it honestly looks like they've just thrown a tarp over the seats. And it's like some amateur, you know, uh, Dublin Fringe show, which is maybe why the first 20 minutes actually feels like a fucking Dublin Fringe show. You can't seem to get a gauge in the audience. I don't know why they didn't put cardboard cutouts on that spot. I don't know why they, between the gaps, I don't know why they didn't put stuffed animals there, you know. And also, they are wearing masks. I understand that. But if you, if someone did wasn't there on the day to think, right, is there any restriction in the fact that they're wearing masks? Is that going to change anything this year? For example, will it hinder maybe their performance as an audience? Well, I'm sorry. I just sorry. I don't mean to begin. It was. They have masks. They should have been mic'd up, right? And I've said I said this last year, and I'll say it again this year. The Late Late Toy Show needs to have a different type of audience. Sure, it has an audience who are going to hoop, hoop, hoot and holler for kids coming out and trying stuff and all that. But there needs to be someone behind the camera, like they do with Anton, Anton Deck for I'm a Celebrity, an absolute sycophant behind the camera who laughs at everything that Tubbs does. Everything that Tubbs does so he can laugh back. In the same way Anton Deck get every single joke lands because someone laughs at it and it looks like they're fucking batting 100, even though they're not. And most of the jokes aren't great. Tubbs needs someone behind the camera and you can't even hear these guys. That's not even my last thing I'm going to say about this audience because I had some serious issues with them. But we'll talk about that more in a second. So they finish Hakuna Matata. Uh, the spotlight kids are just fucking giving all face. There's one kid who's dressed up like Zazu, who is literally just owning the whole the whole stage. Arms out, hero pose, big smile. She's like, fucking look at me. I'm a big old bird. Then they show the set, which to be fair, 75% of it looks amazing, right? There's an amazing waterfall. They start singing. He starts singing, don't go chasing waterfalls. The audience is on a fucking delay. Still think they're on Zoom. You can't hear a fucking peep out of them. They don't respond to it. Um, but the rest of the set looks good. There's a nice little Rafiki nook where it looks like it's treehouse where they're going to read books. You know, the, the, the effects on the waterfall and the stage and the kind of bridge above. The floor is giving me serious manic energy. It I can't get comfortable. There's nothing Christmassy about it. The rest, you can kind of... I can get going the Lion King, but the stage doesn't feel cozy. It doesn't feel Christmassy. It doesn't feel like let's just stay here, have a nice conversation. And I think... I'm not going to blame the floor for setting off the two manic kids in the first uh, in the first segment, but it was making us at home feel uh, a, a bit uneasy. Um, he does a bit now. This is what I'm talking about, right? This is he, does, he plays with a Lego typewriter, right? Now I don't think a Lego typewriter came out, you know, last month. Maybe it did, but I'm sure there's a toy that maybe came out in February that you could have been like, oh, do you know what? We're going to use that toy because it, it works for the bit. So he sits at this thing and he's like, see this Lego typewriter, and he starts typing away at it, right? And then he's overdubbed he, uh, him saying, uh, "All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy," right? From The Shining. It's cute. He's doing a cool bit. It's for the parents. The rest of the kids are not really knowing what's going on. Even though he has a kind of a pipe full of bubbles that he's blowing that he immediately gives up on because they're not getting enough bubbles. He throws it. It's fairly manic, but whatever. So he's typing away this, away this thing. They obviously pre-recorded. This all work, no play makes Jack a dull boy. And the audience are watching it. They're like, huh. And then it just keeps going. And then there's, there's no... And look, the audience are crap, right? The audience are crap. I'm sorry. Hang on. I need to get... <sighs> Okay, no, because I'm criticizing this. I'll be positive on other stuff, right? 
the audience aren't giving them anything, right? To be fair to the audience, there's not a clear point in which they're supposed to laugh because the bit has been played. I don't know why if he's doing a shining bit on a Lego typewriter, there wasn't a Lego door for him to crash through and say, here's Tuberty, <laughs> you know, here's Johnny. He should have had a bit. And then at least you can get the tension relief. The audience just don't know where to laugh. Having said that, the audience have to go above and beyond. If there's not a clear area for them to laugh, but they know there should have been a laugh and they missed it, they have to replace it with a woo. <laughs> like you do. As an audience, you are representing the very same 1.5 to 1.7 million people who are looking at every single thing that you're getting, being jealous of. You are not there just to be like, all right, I'm in the audience. Entertain me now. I'm so fucking privileged. You represent everyone cheering at home and they let the side down big time. And he's there typing away like a madman. No one's giving him even a single woo. Now, again, as I said, should have had another pass. There should have been an opportunity for him to smash through a Lego door and do a proper shining thing. He should have chased a kid around with a Lego axe. Maybe. Maybe. But at least you would have known where to laugh, you know. Then it's followed up with... Uh, it's followed up with this thing where he's saying, all right, we've all had a bit of a bad time this year. So we all have a bad mood. And so these bears are here to represent the various moods. And like at first you think, oh, well, surely... It's one toy and the bear's going to like change colors and might have like LEDs, you know. I mean, there's not, that's not even impressive technology for 2021, the idea that the bear might change color, but it doesn't. He's got seven bears lined up and he's going to pick one up one by one and say what the color represents to the emotion. I don't even know if that's what the bears are for. He doesn't name the bears. The bears don't have a have sounds they, they don't have any kind of <laughs> there's no moving parts to it it's a stuffed bear he picks up a, a yellow one and he goes you could be happy and then pharrell's happy plays and he kind of nods along and the audience obviously you're not clear that this is a joke because it's not a joke so they're sitting there kind of like mm -hmm, okay okay well you know like waiting for the next one okay great and then he picks up like a blue one starts playing Adele you could be sad and plays Adele's you know go easy on me and he's like you know moving his head slowly and people are like what you know he's still going he moves on to a red one it plays an angry song he moves on to a green one it plays a scaredy song and like it's complete and utter clang-a-lang clang-a-lang-a-lang-a-lang-a-lang-a-lang and there's no like and this is what I'm talking about, right? I don't know whose decision it was to say in between the first musical number and the first kid, you're going to have tubs, whatever. Yes, he's doing the tour of the stage. He's doing his animal puns, which no one's laughing at, by the way. I even had written their fucking laugh at his puns, for God's sake, you you cadavers. You're not a crowd. You're a cadavers. Hey, look, it takes a lot of fucking... You need to step up. Know that even though you're in the mask and even though this isn't be the ideal laughing environment, you can't just be a coward and sit there and be performed to. You are part of this. I don't know why I'm getting so fucking wound up with this. <sighs> anyway, the bear's bit. I don't know who had the idea to go from him doing animal puns, which no one laughed at. And that was not his fault. That's the audience's fault. To um, To this fucking... <laughs> 
this all work no play makes Jack a dull boy which is no clear point where you're supposed to laugh to this a tour of seven different emotions through stuffed bears some of which have emojis on their fucking feet emojis do you think kids are into emojis these days there's a green one that has like fucking like getting sick faced emoji and it's like as Am I in the fucking Mr. Price? Have I just gone to Mr. Price in 2006 that this is being broadcast? The, the, the toys alone. And yet the bit is, it's different emotions. I can't believe someone said, we'll do the typewriter bit. And then we'll do the, the, the bears bit um, after the big numbers. So that's, uh, you know, you had your you had your smells like teen spirit with Hakuna Matata. And they were going to blow the doors off you here. Settle you in. Get you excited with a bit of in bloom. Right, I'm using a Nevermind Nirvana <laughs> track list here. But that's what the, the high fidelity rule is, right? The, you start with a good song and then you pick it up and then you ease it off. So you're hoping to ease it off with a kid. To think that this is going to be... I just... Whoever was like, all right, there's all your bears, tubs. Okay, great. Now, what do I do with the bears? Oh, well, you kind of pick them up and we'll play the music correlating to the bears' emotion. Okay, cool. Why? Because it's... um, I dare... I dare you to say funny. I dare you. Look me in the eyes. Tell me that's funny. And it's not like, you know... I just don't think it's good enough. And I'm not willing just to let that pass. It's, oh, clanger. Oh, and a little clanger. Maybe it's just my mood I'm in. I'm a little bit of a Scrooge. I was very anxious over the weekend. <laughs> um, I don't know what started it. But anyway, um, then he has this ostrich bit. And this should be great. It's as him putting his hand up an ostrich for toys. It's proper Ace Ventura shit. The, the ostrich is like looking down at first. And from what I understand... Now, the, the, the gag doesn't pay off. The timing's not good, all right? The first two gags didn't have beats. This has a beat, and it's fucked, right? He doesn't get it right. The whole thing is he's going to put his hand up this ostrich's arse to get a toy. And actually, to be fair, the audience are like, ooh, because that's clear. Like, there's an objective and there's a barrier. The objective is he needs to get the toy out of the ostrich's arse. The barrier is he's got a career <laughs> and he can't be seen putting his hand up ostrich's arses. But it's funny because everyone knows what he's going to do and it's a bit of a kind of risque. It's weirdly a risque kind of, ooh. And he's like, oh, come on, grow up. As in like, I'm not going to fuck the ostrich, guys. Come on. <laughs> I'm not allowed. Even no matter how good it looks. Anyway, he puts his hand tentatively unfortunately he doesn't like what he should have done is put the hand in grab the thing look like he's having a bit of trouble and then the ostrich's head would pop up being like what the fuck are you doing and kids would have laughed their asses off at that i would have laughed my ass off but what happens is he puts his hand in kind of puts it in then the ostrich kind of is this where is this where he's actually putting his is his hand actually in and it kind of pops up awkwardly halfway up and then it goes all the way up it's not timed well the expression on the ostrich is gray but it's not timed well and again, some researcher had to drive all the way out to fucking photo wildlife to get this ostrich in the back of their dad's Kia Soul and then bring this place. And it's just a missed opportunity. It's just a missed opportunity. And I don't know why they didn't go back to the ostrich. If it was me, what I would have had is he would have been like, all right, we have to go get, get the present in the ostrich. He goes in the first time, the head moves up a little bit. Oh, we, well, let's really not upset the ostrich and we'll leave it. We'll go back, then put his hand in, then the ostrich head comes up again. And then eventually for the third time, third beat, maybe even 40 minutes into the show, Show, an hour and a half into the show the ostrich's head will go fully whack up and it'll go rah, 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 and it'll, I know it's a puppet or it sprays water or something 
payoff, you know, rather than just puts the hand in and this whole prop is just spent. That's done. And they never go in again. But however, what he reveals from the arse of the ostrich, is this any good, is a twerking toy. And I was really into this thing. I said to Terry, this is fucking brilliant. I said, this is excellent. This is, look how it moves realistically. It kind of does that kind of like shake the hand over the head kind of boogie that Christina Aguilera does in Dirty, you know. Not the twerk, you know. That happens later. But it has a... Re- it looks... See, I'm just fascinated. You know, I grew up on those dogs that were like, arr, 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 and then they do a backflip and you're like, all right, well, that's like two gears moving away and that's not exactly like, you know. I've still found it impressive because it was moving, you know, but this level of like gears and cogs, like a, a fucking professor invented this ass-shaking monkey, you know, uh, toy. And I was very impressed. Um, So then... um. Then he says something about how he was really into this toy, and he said he'd love to get everyone for one for everyone. But Santa's not having having. A, he seems just distracted. And he starts talking about sign language. It happens very quick. He seems to just be very distracted. He, he seems a little bit just. I'm blaming the floor. The floor is just making everyone insane. Then out comes the first challenge. You're like, all right, here we go. This is what we're here for. So we hear like a Batman theme song, and like na 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 na, and in comes Alana. I was going to say dressed as Batgirl, but she's actually dressed as Batman. Maybe she identifies as Batman, but she is a girl dressed as Batman. And Ryan is like, okay, so show us what the story is with with this. And it's she opens the Batcave, which is this big, massive. I mean, these are like. If you're if you're growing up and you like Batman, maybe your parents get you the the you know the bat you know motorcycle, the bat bike, or the bat wing, which is a bit smaller than the Batmobile, or maybe the Batmobile. But you're very seldom going to get the big thing, the actual bat cave, right? The big toy. So this is the big toy, but for whatever reason, right? They have filled this thing full of full of uh, Lion King toys. See, in there you got Zazu, you got Scar, you got Simba. In the bat cave, right? It doesn't fit. It doesn't belong. They're not even in the same fucking franchise. They're not even in the same fucking, you know, Disney universe, right? And then, but she's trying to be like, all right, well, look, well, look, you can put Zazu in the cave here, in this little cage here, even though it's clearly built for the Joker. Um, And she's got her back to the audience. Look, she's obviously not an expert, um, like in the Bernie Delaney school of of speech and drama, which I learned you never put your back to the audience. But look, she's a young kid. She's excited about playing with Batman. But Ryan is so preoccupied. He's like, shit, get this dog to work. It's a dog toy. Boku or whatever his name is. Get Boku to work and it won't work, right? And it won't work. The dog's not working. Someone didn't turn it on. Someone didn't tell anyone how to do it. Why isn't even just a helper there who turns it on and gives it to Ryan, right? Is it just, oh, well, we can't ever see the people... Get it to fucking work. Come on. Stop wasting everyone's time. Get the fucking dog to work. And Alana realizes this dog's not going to work. And she's dead right. She's like, look, this isn't going to work. The dog's not working. Let's move on. Let's stop wasting the time of two million people because someone didn't do the one job they had a year to pull off, right? So let's move on from this and I'll show you this Bratz doll that blows fucking bubbles out of its mouth, right? So what you do is you get this Bratz doll. Maybe it's an LOL surprise doll. Either way, it's dressed like a slut. It's a little, and I hate to use that term, but come on. Those Bratz dolls are fucked. Especially the ones that are dressed as babies are little sluts. And they do nothing other than just give young girls and young boys body dysmorphia and a, and a desire for fucking fillers when they're only five years old, dressed scantily clad. Anyway, I've no issue with people wanting to get fillers, but you do not be promoting that shit to a kid, making them think that their gorgeous little faces aren't fucking the most beautiful thing in the world. Anyway, 
you feed this slut fairy liquid and it blows bubbles that's another thing so what's the kid gonna do oh i'll have a sip of that as well i'll eat a tide pod while i'm at it and of course alana thinks this is brilliant because it is brilliant it's a fucking kid it's a little baby that blows bubbles and she holds it in the face of ryan blasts him with bubbles and she's laughing her ass off and guess who else is laughing no one because the fucking cadavers in the crowd are not giving this the the crowd davers are not giving this they're stunned to silence they're saying nothing Ryan's not saying nothing even the band aren't saying nothing even the band when the dog wasn't working didn't decide to fill the void by I don't know take a bit of initiative and just start playing who let the dogs out Every, it's like it's like a, it's like the fucking FAI squad it's like the fucking Irish squad getting up to the penalty box and everyone's like oh I pass it I don't want to shoot you know just someone have the fucking gumption to take control over this when something's not going well they're silent and Alana is the only one taking control here and she's blasting Ryan in the face with bubbles because everything else was fucking shit and Ryan can't handle it. She's an atomic energy and he's not ready. He's not warmed up. They should have brought in a big straight up fucking nerd first but they didn't. They brought in this little comic book girl who wanted to blast him in the face with bubbles and he doesn't know what to do and he just kind of he just kind of leaves. He's like, okay, bye Alana. He seems disappointed and then he's kind of like, like incredulous that he's been blasted in the face with these bubbles he hasn't made the connection with the kid and he hasn't been able to feed off the audience yet everyone is just kind of fucking swimming with sharks at this point it's not going very well i still i give alana two stars right and this is out of five stars i like alana i think she's good but look you can only judge her based on the set piece she was given i don't think we get to see her full potential she could have easily been a five-star kid if she was asked the right questions or if she was given something that actually worked but given what we saw here today she didn't play particularly well with the batmobile she she fixated too much on the bubbles i know she was trying to save the day but we just didn't see her shine we just didn't see her shine two stars alana look i like you but it just wasn't your day <laughs> and then we have Lorcan who is four years old and Ryan makes a point of highlighting this is a four year old boy meaning that he is two years older than two years old he is one year older than three years old he's three years older than a one year old baby and what they do is they have a burger building competition and um they're trying to build the biggest burger. I couldn't quite figure out if this was real food or fake food. The whole purpose was they were going to make a mess. A lot of wasted food anyway. The the the, the lettuce and the tomato looked real. Um, but Lorcan is not into doing anything other than spilling ketchup on a fucking burger. He's, he's, he gets the ketchup. He was told he was, able to, he was going to be allowed to squeeze the ketchup. He squeezes it on the burger bun. He squeezes it on the top of the burger bun. He squeezes it on the actual, on the burger. Ryan is trying to fucking put reins on him. He's like, Lorcan, Lorcan. He's like getting real thick with him. Lorcan, 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 stop. <laughs> and Lorcan's not stopping. See, the Lorcan, I don't know. Look, I... I don't know anything about his family, but he seems to me like someone who hasn't been allowed to engage in messy play, right? I allow my son to play and engage in messy play every morning. The fucking kitchen is like a hurricane of Rice Krispies hits every single morning. And I'm on my hands and knees cleaning it up every morning. But his dexterity is getting better and he's not now fixated on just making a mess, right? So they do this burger building competition the whole idea is they're going to stack them up really high they're going to walk over to each other see if they fall over it's a good premise it should work it's the reason why people watch bake off when they have to bring the showstopper all the way up to the gingham altar at the end people like seeing you know precarious foods be walked and see if they fall right anyway tubs knocks his over uh, and then they get on to play with these microphones right there's two microphones uh one of them has low battery and, and he basically gets the microphone, it's working, the kid's microphone isn't working, 
Then uh, he swaps the microphone with Lorcan, and then he realizes his isn't working. There's nothing he can do about it. He can't seem to get it work. He walks off the stage like some bad improv. Like he's like, I know I'm dead, and I need to. You never walk. He walks off the stage, leaving this kid standing there, just squeezing ketchup onto the top of a burger bun. He just leaves the stage, and then he comes back on. He's like, Oh, battery's low. And then, and then, and then he's like, Lorcan, stop <laughs> with the ketchup. And then he just he just walks away from the kid. He doesn't even go like Lorcan, ladies and gentlemen. He just goes, I just can't. He says, I just can't to this kid, right? So now what we've had is Hakuna Matata with the big bollocks. Yes, went fine, right? We've had all work, no play, absolute clangor. We've had, you know, the Bears, which was a piece that no one got, understood. Was it cute? Was it funny? What was it? The ostrich didn't land. Alana was blowing bubbles in his face that he didn't seem to like. Lorcan was squeezing ketchup when he was meant to be singing in a microphone. Has this show gone completely off the rails? And as he's walking over to the other kid, his fucking mic pack falls out of his back pocket and I jumped off the couch and Terry was like, you need to chill out now. You're making me very anxious. And I was like, fine. So I sit down, I take a breath and we're, in, we're introduced to it. Anyway, I give Lorcan, Lorcan, come back. You're going to be a star. This time though, bro, seriously, I'm so done with this ketchup bit. One star. I like you. <laughs> Again, I like him. But you're too young. Come back when you have the experience. All right? So anyway, after the mic fell out of his back pocket, after he gave up, essentially, you know, he exited the scene with this kid, you know, with some bad improv, and he walked off the scene, the cardinal sin. And he leaves Lorcan just still squeezing the ketchup, and he's like, I can't even deal. Just like, someone get, someone get rid of him. He's almost like Lorcan was problem child, or Dennis, not Dennis the Menace, but Dennis, and, and Ryan was Walter Matthau. As, as Mr. Wilson. That's the kind of vibe. He really did a number on Ryan. Anyway, so then you think all's gone, right? The whole show's gone off the rails. And then we get Roisin. I'm like, oh, whatever. I can't get any worse. And Roisin is cool. She's calm. And she knows fucking everything about dinosaurs. Ryan is like, what's that? She goes, Agurta Dominus Rex. I'm like, what did you just say? She knows all the dino names. He goes, what's that? And he goes, she goes, um, Creelophosaurus. And the audience is even like, yeah, okay, and starts applauding. He goes, Velociraptor, Tyrannosaurus Rex, Brontosaurus, Brachiosaurus, Stegosaurus. And Ryan looks like he's crying from the relief. He's laughing his ass off. It's been a complete, complete title shift in the vibes. She should have been first. She's perfect. She's competent. She knew what she had to do. There was a level of spontaneity where he was throwing different animals or different dinosaurs and she was getting all of them. Someone who was going to show up and know what they needed to do rather than look with the greatest respect to the other two you know they were a bit they were a bit freewheeling right they were a bit freewheeling i want to be as respectful as i can to the kids roshin was like ask me fuck ryan look at me ask me anything about dinosaurs and i'll tell you she should have been the first kid ryan could have got warmed up with that and then you can throw some crazy kids next year start with the nerd and i mean that with the greatest respect roshin then they go on to do a new bit they're they're they put on these massive dino hands and they have to pick up tiny cakes come on of course that's the sort of perspective kind of fun that me as an adult will enjoy and a kid would enjoy they have big dino claws she's trying to pick up a tiny tea cake it's going really well it's fun i might be grading on a curve because of the state of the other kids but she got fucking 10 stars out of five i thought she was brilliant standout of the night was roisin if i'm rating realistically i give her four out of five and that's only because maybe even a four and a half no no four four i give her four i give her four four and a half would be i'll watch it again that year 
Five would be John Joe. I'll be watching it in 10 years' time, right? I hold a very high standard for these kids. Next up, you have DJ Callum and Jackson. This young fella. This, so this is little young fella. He's on a DJ decks. He's got hands out like Tiesto. They're going 90. There's a bit, this is an unreal dance number. There's a ballroom dancers come out. Then there's Irish lads doing Irish dancing. His, young little, his younger little brother, Jackson, is like his hype man. He's holding up a sign that says clap. Crowd's going mad. I tell you, he needs to walk into that sea of cadavers and bash that sign over the head with them. Get a bit of fucking life into them. Get a bit of get up off that fucking parliamentary side of their arse. Get a bit of colour in their cheeks. Says Jackson. Needs to go over there and clatter those boys. Anyway, he's holding up the sign for too long. Callum, who's been such a good older brother, puts a bit of manners on him, tells him, put the fucking sign down. Now you're all right. Jackson obeys. A ballerina comes out. They're throwing everything at this. It's expertly delivered. These two boys are from Finglas, but Callum's still dropping a bit of Gaelga, right? And then he's asking, all right, Jackson, what does he do? And uh, Jackson goes, I'm a hype man. I get the crowd going. Right? He's five years old, right? Um, Callum's 11. Jackson's five. Both them from Finglas. He's like, all right, what do you do, Jackson? I get the fucking crowd going. What do you think? What's your brother say? He says he gets the crowd going. Everyone's like, yeah, because he's do, he does. And I tell you, it's just a shame that they didn't have him doing this full time because he really could have done it, done one over on the crowd. Um, anyway, so then they get chatting about everything. You know, there isn't necessarily a big sob story other than the fact that uh, Callum's dad gets roasted for having an old MacBook. Sounds pretty alright to me, but anyway, he's getting roasted for. So you're having to go on your dad's shitty old computer. Is that right? Oh my God, is that a He's supporting your dream, but he's got a shit computer. Oh, that's a stuff. Real unfortunate. He's really let your whole family down. I felt bad for him. Like, I mean, having your having a man's tech slagged. Like, obviously, he you know he's tech efficient enough to know how to teach his son how to use DJ decks, and he's getting his tech roasted on national TV. But anyway, um, Ryan's trying to do something for him. He's like, all right, look, um, I know you want to be a DJ. I think is there something is there something I could do? Can I help you? <laughs> and, then, and then Callum goes, I think you could. He's not doing the whole incredulous, what? I'm getting what? Katie, Katie Taylor, what? He's, she's here? He's, all, he's like, I think, can I help you? And Callum, I think you could. He's cool as a cucumber. He's, he's only short of saying, pop your fucking love at the folk uh, and gives a fucking bit of arrogant, bro. Do you know what I mean? And then he finds out that because of, uh, I think, One Sonic or the Irish um, uh, headphone brand, um, I actually have a pair of their wireless headphones that I got for, for free and I, I, I do like them I recommend them if you're looking for an affordable 50 quid um, pair of headphones that's not sponsored whatsoever but it's Irish headphone brand I've never seen it before anyway so they got a load of headphones off that they got like a Pioneer turntable they got a brand new MacBook Pro Callum cannot believe this look he's crying and he's rubbing his little brother's head because he's just still trying to be a good big brother to his little brother it's so lovely and he's nice and he's like what does your little brother mean to me mean to you and he goes I just really love him he's so funny he says these boys are a credit to their parents like Roisin was a credit to hers I was very impressed they, these two boys and Roisin have saved the first third of this god awful show <laughs> and they've done an alright job I give them I give them three stars I give them a strong three stars right I give Roisin four I give them a strong I give Roisin I'll give Roisin four I give these boys a three three stars right I won't watch it again, but they gave me a nice moment of the brotherly love thing that I really liked, and I, I, I hope to see them again soon. It'll be really fun to see them again down the line uh, as a kind of Mark McCabe. But this, again, is where I think, look, they got all the sponsored work and everything like that, but, you know, look, yeah, it doesn't need to be, you know, Shane Lowry. It doesn't need to be, you know, Dermot Kennedy. Like, it, 
why didn't they just bring out like nine or nine? Why didn't they bring out just a DJ? Just be like, look, you don't maybe don't you don't you're not familiar with this person. This person's a DJ. They DJ monthly in nightclubs, you know, or weekly. They're going to teach you the best way to pick tracks. They're going to kind of give you. They just love that. They'd love to be like you're a real DJ. Like uh, you know, the audience doesn't even need to know who the DJ is. And I feel like that's was that the best? Was that the final best? Or was that just they got Manubeke? You know, which is nice and it's good, and he really appreciated it. But having someone, having someone be like, "Now I'm going to show you what to do with it." Do you know what I mean? Anyway, that's the first bit done. And Alana and Lorcan, to be fair to them, need to be barred permanently from Montrose. Then we have Finn. Now Finn is a Lego master. He was a chap. Um, he's a chap who's recovering um, from cancer, and he had a, you know, a really, um, really sweet story where, um, not sweet, but I mean, certainly very, um, very emotional story about him saying that he really got into Lego, and he's quite impressive with his Lego, but he got into Lego while he was recovering um, from, from cancer. And he was so weak that, you know, and hooked up to machines that, you know, he his, he couldn't even hold up the little leaflet book for some of these small Lego sets to flip the pages. His mom had to flip the pages, and all he could do was kind of click the pieces together. You know, it's so, like, it just shows how far he's come that when he actually gets to do this next bit, what happens is he's, in the ward that he was in, ceremoniously, when you... You, you you know you're you're done with cancer you ring this bell that's what they say done with cancer you you ring this bell but because of covid and everything they didn't have the staff in there they didn't have the you know the nurses and doctors and everyone kind of normally they give you kind of guard of honor you walk down the end you ring the bell and everyone cheers so they bring out this bell so he can ceremoniously ring the bell for the people who weren't there so that you know the world essentially can see this and it's a very sweet idea they get the scope of how many people are watching here right um, but they still give you a fucking shoddy bell. It's a cheap bell, right? He's going to give it welly, and he does, and he fucking breaks the bell, which I think is so fucking badass. And I thought it was a nice... He's 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 been so good to kind of represent his ailment and people who have that ailment, and he's been a real kind of, um, you know, ambassador for recovery for people, you know, because he's, he's done the whole... He tells the whole story about how he was weak and how he feels better now and how he got into Lego, and, you know, he, he he's very, obviously, serious about this, you know, and he knows that there's that he has to be kind of take it very serious, you know. But then when he's ringing the bell, he's laughing his ass off. He breaks the bell. Shows how fucking strong he is now, you know. He couldn't hold the, the Lego pages. Now he's breaking bells on live TV. thought it was great. So I love to see a little break of that where he's like being serious, but he's able to have a bit of fun and realize, oh, shit, I'm not breaking the fucking bell. And then I thought what was funny is uh, Ryan is all like, um, so you like Lego? Would you like to go to Denmark? Finn like shrugs. Like, I don't know, fucking know why. Why? What's in Denmark? You know, I know there's hot people and cool lamps, but why, why, you know, why else sort of, you know, um, and he goes, oh, no, there's Legoland there. And he's like, all right, cool, yeah, grand. And he seems cool and grateful with the whole thing, you know. Um, he's a good kid. It's nice to see that kind of representation. I know there's a lot of kids who might be in hospital who will see that and be able to relate to that. And I think that's important. Um, I give it, I give him three stars. I give him three stars. I give him a good three stars. I think he did great, right? I don't need, I don't want to have to defend my stance. I don't, I don't, I don't dislike the guy. I think he did great, but I'm, I'm giving him three stars. I think that's adequate. Look, you don't realize the level that I'm holding up these iconic children for, right? If you have Rock is the Best Medicine, that's maybe a four. Do you know what I mean? John Joe's a five. You know, um, the kid saying, yeah, you know, are you having a good time? Neil, you know? <laughs> it's, so That's the sort of caliber I'm dealing with here. Um, but I thought it was sweet, you know? 
But again, it was announced like a Lego master. That come, well, actually, no, he did say they're going to teach you Lego. So that's fine. That's fine. Then Ryan does a bit of an anti-fast fashion bit. And I understand it, you know, but he's basically revealed that he's massacred Nanny Pat's jumper. Remember Nanny Pat and her lovely grandson? Don't remember her na- his name. He's a he's a fiver. He's a four and a half for that kid. Um, anyway, but he reveals that he's after massacring Nanny Pat's jumper that Nanny Pat made from to make this new jumper. But he's making this kind of stance being like, oh, you don't need to do fast fashion. You can actually just get all your old jumpers and then go into a fucking costume department in RTE and have someone make it for you. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I get the anti-fast fashion bit and reusing, but, you know, what was anyone supposed to do with that? So anyway, then he's moving on to Abigail from Galway. Um, I think she's from Galway. She's definitely from out west anyway. Um, is she? I think she's from Galway. Anyway, um, she's a fashionista. So she stands there. She's standing there in a hero pose. She's got sunglasses on. She's got a fur jacket on. She's got a big smile. And then Finn comes back to give Ryan a pin, which is to be fair, Ryan wasn't happy about it. Do you know what I mean? He was like, oh, great. I'll take the pin. Thanks. I'll cherish that very much. He you know, gives it to someone for safekeeping. And then Finn goes off. So Abigail now from Galway has been standing here for a while. All right. She she it was gonna go from Finn to Abigail for a while anyway. Now it has. It's even taken a break so Finn could give a pin, and no, there's no camera on Abigail. There's no camera to be in the position to see what Abigail's gonna do, which is very clear. There's a Barbie. There's a bucket of water that's perspex. There's a is it cha- you know it's a mermaid Barbie. Obviously the colors are gonna change, and no one's there. So there's a cameraman who kind of encroaches and kind of kind of because a bit flustered and kind of like it isn't it's not a camera on wheels it's kind of like he's kind of like on his on his honkers kind of like walking towards and it's kind of like it reminds me of like the scene from like the start of <laughs> the original halloween where like pov of like young michael myers when he's killing people in the in the gaff like it, it's proper like pov creep you know and um i mean that was fun but I don't think that's what was intended. Um, but anyway, she's having a good uh, laugh at Ryan, who is also now wearing a fur jacket and also wearing sunglasses. And he goes, why did you, she goes, why did you take my style? And then, uh, and he's like, all right, I'm sorry. He kind of says, I'm sorry. You're not doing very good yes ending with it. Um, and then he says, what do you think of Dublin? And she goes, I can't handle the traffic. And I tell you, these women out west, driving at that age, they're just made of more, these women. I tell you, we're molly coddled, us Easterns, right? I uh, was very impressed with that, her driving. Um, so then they are talking a bit about fashion, a little bit. Well, it's more about how Barbies can change their clothes. There, There isn't even like a showcase of like, you know, body positive Barbies or anything like that. It, it, there's a sewing machine that she looks at. She doesn't do anything with. Um, they play some game where they have bits, things in a sock, like a dice and a ball. And they have to spin a wheel to decide what to take out of a sock. And they had, I'm just counting it up here, 365 days to come up with that. And um, to be fair, it looks like an okay enough game. I mean, I wouldn't mind playing it, you know, in a gaff with the lads or something like that. Or maybe even with the family on Christmas Day. Um, But Ryan's even cheating. He's cheating because he's getting her to spin the wheel. And he already has his hand in the sock. Um, And then she doesn't get at him. She just leaves. She leaves, you know. Like, you know, DJ... Jackson had like an old computer, but he had a computer. He sounded pretty good when he was playing them tunes. You know, she doesn't get and she doesn't get like a visit from like Simone Russia. She doesn't get like a trip to London to see some of the some of the the fashion houses. She doesn't get like Milan. You know, she's like, all right, see you later. Like, all right, bye. I'm gonna drive home in my own car that I drove here, and you know. Uh, now we go on to I give I give um, Abigail 
I give her, she had good personality. I give her two and a half stars. I give her, yeah, I give her two and a half stars. I didn't get, you know, look, I'm just saying. William is, look, I was giving kids one star. Actually, do you know what? Here, let's go back here. I'm going to give, I gave one star to, hang on, I'm going back here. I gave one star to Lorca and I gave one star to Alana. I'm giving DJ Callum. I'll still give him three. I enjoyed it. Of course, I'm giving Roisin four. I'm giving Finn three, right? And Abigail, I'm going to give two and a half. I'm going to give two and a half, right? That's just what I'm giving you. Now we get up to William. Anyway, William is, uh, he owns six cows. He's playing a game. He's playing a literal, it's almost like it's an analogy for the show. I don't know if you know that the, the word shambles is the name for a cattle mart. And he's literally playing a real-life cattle mart, and it's a proper shambles. It's um He has owned six cows of his own, so he does a bit of the old auctioneering and all that sort of stuff. Um, They do this bit where Ryan has, like, all these teddies lined up, and one of them is the Miggledy Giggles doll that my friend Stevie made for Crumlin. Uh, some of the profits go towards Crumlin. So I was like, hey, DiCaprio pointing at the screen, you know. I know that toy. I know the fellow who makes that toy. Um, and he gets a good, he got a good bit of uh, TV time on this. But he's basically pretending like he's four people trying to buy cattle. And then William is trying to be like, all right, 3,001, 3,002, 3, 4, do I have 4,000, you know? And um, and there's, it's silent while he's doing this. Like, he's like, 3, 1. And Ryan's like, oh, 3, 2, okay, 3, 2. Like, the, the band aren't playing, you know, like, money, 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 or anything like that. The audience are really, really letting the side down. They're meant to be creating an atmosphere of an actual shambles here. They're meant to be creating, like, a real cattle mart, being like, rah, 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 like throwing money. Can't hear a fucking word out of them. They let the side down big time. Um, But the, 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 the mart actually looks quite fun. I wouldn't mind playing with a bunch of miniature cows, but it wasn't very good. I'd give them one. I'd give them one star. William, he seemed like a fun guy. He seemed like he could be a four-star kid, but you're a four-star kid in a one-star set piece, bro, with the greatest respect. I like you, but you didn't show up on the day. Next up was, um, they sang Can You Feel the Love? And there was a montage of kids who were unfortunately having to celebrate um, uh, Christmas in hospitals. Um, and the singers were great. All the singers were really good. There was even this kind of weird kind of spoken word bit in the middle, which you honestly can't slag because I was fucking pissing tears the whole time. Genuinely, you know, very, very moving. Um, those, those poor kids who were just like smiling and they're so resilient. And honestly, it was just, you know, it's very moving. Um, but I, I did think last year, though, when they had the kind of the kids, they kind of they incorporated that into the live element of the show rather than the montage. I think I might have preferred the you know all the different screens with the kids on stage so they're essentially part of the dance number they're up there they're out you know um i don't know why they went back to the kind of montage video maybe because it looked like it was kind of shot by parents so maybe they had to but i did think when they had the kind of blinding lights tiktok dance with the kids last year um i don't know it seemed like it was more more involved more 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 energy but is that fucking petty for me to that's even fucking petty i'm just saying i'm I, you know it still was obviously very moving because I was incredibly moved by it. Um, anyway, next up we have Una Walsh with a harp. Now, Una is a um, fucking unreal harp player. But she has this story where she said she was uh, di- only diagnosed hard of hearing when she was 10. And she actually went undiagnosed until that point. She she lip-read to pass a hearing test in, in uh, senior infants. Um, and I saw a tweet well, Michael Fry retweeted a tweet from someone who was saying about how 
after that show, they were chatting to, this woman was chatting to a kid who had a hearing aid and was like, did you see that there was another girl had a hearing aid on the Late Late Show? And they were just beaming with just this pride that they were, you know, that there was someone else who had, you know, the same thing that they do. And it was just showing the importance of representation, which, to be fair, this show always does and always delivers on and still delivers on this year. You cannot fault that. I'm really just talking about the bits like the fucking ostrich <laughs> and the and the 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 bears and some of the games I played with the kids. I just don't think it's up to a year's worth. Anyway, but Uno Walsh definitely was, and it was a great it was a great get. But I I felt like I'm getting fucking serious in all this here. But you know, it, some of, I feel like with with Una's story, it's the same way where a lot of women are undiagnosed with autism late. Um, because they don't fully p- pass the, they're able to kind of be go undetected even if they're tested early, you know. And this is completely, you know, it's hard of hearing, but she, you know, Una obviously lip read and because she's fucking smart and she's got initiative and she thought, oh well, I need to pass this, you know. Um, and this is not to speculate. Obviously, your parents, I'm, I'm, she's a credit to her parents as I keep saying, and I'm sure her parents, um, are incredibly supportive. The fact that she's only recently diagnose hard of hearing and can play the harp as expertly as she can obviously very encouraging and very supportive of her of her um of her talents but thinking of kids who feel sometimes that they need to they need to find a way that the pressure might be on this again might not be the case for her but it kept making me thinking of poor kids who don't know that they can get something wrong that maybe it's in their best interest sometimes to get something wrong and they put so much pressure sometimes and they get stressed and they're like how can i do this and how can i be normal without maybe have been let know that it's okay that that it's okay not to get things totally right but by not getting things right you can get a better assessment of of where you are and that's the purpose of some of these tests i feel like a lot of tests when you're in school that are maybe in your best interest you don't know and you just want to get right and i don't know if it's made very clear you know the idea of a poor kid you know having to kind of fake that they don't have something and making life even harder for themselves so that they fit in it's just a terrifying thing I know, again I don't think this is Una's story but anyway she plays a song from um, The Greatest Showman it's brilliant she's fucking class I gave her I give her four stars I thought she was a class act to be perfectly honest I thought she was class I think she was funny I think she um, you know she she fantastic talent she spoke about herself very well um, I was I was impressed Una Walsh four stars um then we get on to the cars and i have to be honest i was let down a little bit right i was let down there wasn't some mad batmobile there wasn't some mad aston martin there wasn't like a little murk around like that you know i i was um look i was disappointed with the with the run it's a it's a definite it's a staple i'm not saying get rid of it this is not on the same level of my disappointment with the overall show. But anyway, Jackson and Callum are back, and here come the cars. You got a kid coming out in a blue car. This fucker rocks up. He does a little handbrake turn. And he goes, Yo, Miss Downing, get a shout out to Miss Downing's class. And he speeds off. She's the only one who gets a shout out in the whole, in the whole, uh, was a caravan of uh, of cars. Then two kids coming out in a bike. It's a fucking bike. Get rid. Boring. Kid comes out in a wheelchair. But it's because she broke her leg. Because she was supposed to be on the bike. So she goes by in a wheelchair. Then you have rollerblades. There's a kid who comes out in a blue Vespa. Then this kid comes out on a skateboard. Standing in the middle of the board. Like it's a diving board. Like like not, not like, not, you know standard or goofy footed or anything like that you know with the one foot at the top of the, in the middle of the board 
So someone was obviously like, right, can you skateboard? And her mom was like, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. Sh- shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously the wheels go out from under her when she goes in. She couldn't skateboard. She couldn't stand down in the middle. of. She was like wheeled out there. Like, of course, she can fucking skateboard. Don't let us down. And then a young fella rocks up and sings Ave Maria in Italian. And DJ Callum is the biggest. This is this is the caliber of The Late Late where his reaction probably stole the show, to be perfectly honest. He's, he's trying to be nice, I think. And he's trying to be like, wow, I can't believe how good this guy's singing. And he's like, this face. And he's like, oh, wow. And his eyes are so wide. And he keeps kind of like elbowing his little brother, being like, wow, did you see that? But again, the cameraman is so fixated on him. Like, zoom into the other kid or move to a different camera. Can you not see that Callum is upstaging this kid, even if he's not trying to do it on purpose? This Ave Maria kid. Um, and the Ave Maria kid, mm, you know, it was very, it was very good. But I didn't like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not mad on kids sounding like adults in opera, you know. Uh, you know that doesn't. It's just a preference for me, you know. If you like Britain's Got Talent, you probably get you know the gold buzzer or whatever like that, or Ireland's Got Talent. But for me, it'd be like ah, it's not my scene. You know what I mean? Like kids break dancing. I feel like just give a kid a fucking sherbet lolly and they'll break dance. Do you know what I mean? Everyone fucking break dances if you give them a sugar. Um. So next up, we have two absolute sport-raving loonies with Darcy and Poppy. Um, uh, they are two straight-out-of-Kulak girls who love Katie Taylor, Kelly Harrington, Liverpool, and Mo Salah. Uh, they got great voice. Um, they got great dynamic as well. One's an introvert, one's an extrovert. One of them is just like, here, you fucking stand there, and you just do that, and this is your favorite team, and I'm your best friend. And the other one seems to be like, all right, that's class, that's good for me. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you just need a mate like that, being like, that's the team you support, this is who you like, this is how you wear your hair, you're going to be exactly like me, and, you know, it's great. Anyway, so they play a game where they're kind of um, spiking a ball, and it's a game that someone actually, <laughs> the, the makers actually messaged me Um and they asked if I wanted to have one, like, uh, and I show it on, on Instagram, you know, like a bit of Spawncom. And I thought my wife would love it because she loves games like that. And I said it to her at the time. And she goes, where are we going to keep that? Where are we going to keep the net for that? And then she saw this and she's like, oh, I love this game. We should really get it. And I'm like, you fucking turncoat. I told you this game was offered to me for free and you had to go with me. And she was like, I don't, I don't, I don't remember that. Anyway, but Ryan doesn't give it a very good rating. I've seen people playing this in the park. It looks great. Um, I do, again, I don't have it in my possession, but um, it's uh, it's kind of a spike. It's kind of like spiking a ball on a trampoline, and it bounces up. You know, kind of volleying it and stuff, and it looks yeah, I don't know, it looks fun. But Ryan says, yeah, I give that game about two out of ten, just because he couldn't seem to get it right. I don't think that's a fairly good representation. It's a fucking toy show, Ryan. Right? These people, this is the fucking industry. These people live and die by, and you're just casually tr- throwing in a fucking two out of ten. Anyway, Kelly Harrington comes out and she is an inspiration. She makes these girls' day. And while Ryan's trying to talk to her about her being an inspiration and her winning medals, she's just, look, let's not talk about that now. Let's talk about these kids. You know, she's very humble. She's like, these girls are great. I know her sister. She's a great boxer. I love what you're doing. I love that you're so into sport. You know, and then they're like, all right, will we play a shit game? <laughs> will we play a shit game? Kelly's like, of course, of course I will, because I'm a legend like that. And she plays this game where they have to dress up each other uh, while wearing boxing gloves. And that's the whole thing. But do you know what? Well, actually, firstly, I thought it'd be really funny if imagine she Kelly puts on the gloves and her eyes just fucking go white and she just goes full killer instinct mode and she kicks the shit out of Ryan. They're like, no, Kelly. And she's like, I can't fucking stop until they taste blood. I can't stop until the gloves taste blood. You know what I mean? Because I'd say you probably have, you know, 
a Pavlovian response to, to gloves. But anyway, the girls are winning, right? And how they win is by piling a load of coats on top of Darcy's head. Or maybe it's Poppy. But they do a game where they have to, like, out of a basin of clothes from, like, the 70s or 80s and 90s, they have to put them on. They did this last year. I had originally written here, oh, they only took a fucking year to come up with this idea when they actually already did this idea. It obviously went down so well where everyone was talking about it because why would they ever include it again that they thought to bring it back? So maybe I missed out on the most viral moment of 2020's uh, uh, toy show. I'm still mean to be such a fucking Scrooge. But you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Two million people, one definite date. Do you know what I mean? I, I just, I just don't understand how they can tolerate such mediocrity. I'm, I'm just, Kelly's great. She makes the girls day. She's a great get. She's a great guest and she's wonderful. But she even says she's going to come to their school. She gives them Olympic vests. Even just seeing the Olympic vests was so much better than that NAF game where they're dressed up with the boxing. Just show us the gloves that she's wearing. Let her talk. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, um, then there's some then there's some bit where there's a, a scene in the Olympia where find a place to feel good. I'm not familiar with the song, but Tubbs is doing another musical number. It's so unnecessary. It's not even on location. You know, I know she, he did a singing in the rain here, but if him learning those musical numbers are getting in the way of his timing with putting his hand up an ostrich's arse and getting in the way of him not being able to approve you know, good bits over mediocre bits. I think he needs to drop some of these musical numbers. Darth Vader, or Darth Vader, Pat Kenny came out in a Darth Vader suit and then just fucking got on with it. He came out in an elephant one year, just got on with it, right? Now, he was shy, but I think they might need to rein in. If the musical numbers are literally where all the information is stored, then that is not the safest place to be going into this show. That's all I'll say. And now what happened was, right, now, look, to be fair, there is a good bit of the show. This one, uh, young fella Potty shows up. And Potty's young fella with Down syndrome. He's a really good dancer. He's good crack. They go down a slide. He's really funny with it, you know. He's totally, like, acting up to the cameras in the best possible way, you know. And, you know, they're doing a fun bit where he goes down the slide and he's encouraging Ryan to go down the slide. It's cute. I know it's not trying to be funny. It's fine. It passes the test, right? And he's also a bit of a hype man. He gets a bit of a buzz going with the crowd. Now, this is what fucking happened. This happened a couple of times, but this is when I couldn't get out of it, right? I was watching this on the RTE player. And the RTE player, whenever it would go to ads, would play six ads, right? And then after it would play six ads, it would go back into the show. And the show would have no sound. Every single, every single time. So I would have to go out, go out of it and go back in. Every single time, right? And then sometimes that would trigger another six ads after I was only clicked out because there was no sound, but any of that time it would work. This time, for whatever reason, I would click out of it and it would be, I would go into it and there'd be no sound. And then I'd click out of it and I'd go back in. I'd have to watch the same six ads again, all with sound, and then there'd be no sound again. And it, for whatever reason, it had me in a fucking time loop of shite. The RTE player is a fucking. I actually can't complain about that anymore. I actually can't. No, I'll just I'll finish my sentence. Burden. It's a burden. And it actually shaped how it shaped the enjoyment of the overall experience of this that I have to watch it through the RT player. I'm never not watching it live again. Anyway, 
I loved David. David was a shark-obsessed kid. He collects teeth. He spends hundreds of quid. He had a megalodon tooth. That's the really big one. And he said his parents, before he could buy a shark tooth, he said his parents made him keep a picture of his of a shark tooth in his wallet for a year, which I think, you know, you're 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 a credit to your parents, David. Um, he does some shit with bath bombs. Look, I like what he's into, but he doesn't have the same fucking. Grow. He doesn't have the same fucking burning passion that Roisin had, right? Um, so I give him. Do you hear my voice? So I give him. <clears throat> I give him about a two. I like what he's into. Didn't captivate me. He wouldn't be appearing on my best ofs, but I like him. And I think, you know, I think in a more. They had a kid on one time last year who was. Uh, they did a kind of mastermind thing. Get him in. To give us uh, shark facts, you know. Of course, the teeth look cool. Anyway, now we're on to the books. Now we got a couple of kids in here. We got a kid called Liam. He goes by the nickname Lil Sips. He's a rapper. He's a rap star, and he's been reading this rap journal and has a load of rapper words so he can learn rapper words. Like, for example, baller, biggie, and blunts. He gives an example, <laughs> and um, Ryan skips over blunts and he says, "What's biggie then?" Says Ryan. And uh, and Lil Sips is like, I don't know. And it's a real, like, with the energy of, like, you're a first year in school being like, oh, you're into rap then, yeah? Yeah, all right, who's Biggie then? You don't know who Biggie is. Like, he really, really lets him have it, you know? And um, Lip, Lil Sips says he doesn't know. Doesn't know any, doesn't know anything about Biggie. Anyway, he does a bit of um, Lose Yourself. But while he's doing Lose Yourself, rather than just listen to him do his party piece and do Lose Yourself, uh, they all put on backwards hats. You know, like hip-hop. Backwards hats and sunglasses, which is a 31-year-old reference to hip-hop. Which is just like, oh, hip-hop, that thing. Not the kind of like, it's fucking everywhere, you know, ubiquitous art form. It's like, oh, like the Sugar Hill Gang. Oh, cool, cool. yeah. Uh, put this backwards hat on. Um, then this other one, um, I don't remember what book she's talking about. She does a French horn. And look, she does brilliantly. But the French horn sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. She does great. And also Lil Sips um, also does all right. He does. I mean, I don't know why he's doing Lose Yourself. I mean, Jesus, he's not heard anything else. Um, but I liked his whole thing. He says he says he had hiccups. And his man said, what you need to do is take Lil Sips. And he's like, I'm fucking Lil Sips now. So I love the, I love the name Lil Sips. I give him, I give him two and a half. I give him two and a half. Um, French horn, I give one because I don't like the French horn. Look, you did great. But uh, it's just not, you know, again, maybe Simon Cowell might hit that fucking, you know, uh, straight to the final golden button. But not with me, pal. Kate um, loves Hamilton. Kate's another kid who loves Hamilton. She does a speech and you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be. It's actually fucking brilliant. She Here's some of the stuff she says. She says, happiness comes from within you. Follow your dreams. And you will sparkle when you need to. Fucking great job, Kate. I thought it was a brilliant speech. And it's all the sort of stuff that I personally have been preaching. We're very, very similarly minded. Um, and I give Kate... Sorry, you can tell I'm petering out here. I totally... <laughs> no, we've got a few more kids here. We've got a few more kids. We're going to get out. We're going to get out here in good time, right? <laughs> and I give Kate 
I give Kate three and a half stars. I really enjoyed the speech. I thought she did well. And I thought um, she knew a lot about Hamilton. And I like Hamilton. Then we have Isabella. And Isabella is just this fucking infectious enthusiasm. I don't mean to be swearing because she's so sweet. She's showing the kind of um, kind of fidget toys that she has. She's uh, an amputee. And Ryan very sweetly is like, getting down on the ground to, 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 to play with these toys with her. Um, she says her mom is absolutely amazing. She was Her, her mom Claire, was named Carer of the Year. Uh, her auntie Maraid is so funny, and she's she's absolutely adorable. She has the 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 uh, adventure book from Up, and she has all these things that she'd love to do on her bucket list, like go to the Eiffel Tower. She loves art, and then Ryan is like, "You're going to Paris," and she's like, "What? Oh, thank you so much!" And she's so appreciative. She's so sweet. She just like this. This is Ray of Sunshine. She was great. I gave her four stars. I thought she was brilliant. She loves art. They're going to the Louvre. You know. She didn't seem to know where it was going. She's not faking incredulousness. She's not like, what? What's that? You know, she's, it's great. And she does, um, and she, she was brilliant. And she was very sweet showing off, um, you know, all the things that she wants to do. And she obviously has very high aspirations for herself. And I think it's great. Then you have the Toy Show Choir with the biggest star in the world, Ed Sheeran. Not that you'd know it, though, because the audience are fucking leaky faucet drip losers you represent a nation i'm so ashamed i'm like ed please or actually i actually really like you go to croaker bro go to croaker it'll give you the reception you need don't mind these lads in the masks they just want to go home right anyway he um he comes on and he's such a fucking nice dude he's so nice he's like i'm so grateful to be here he's got a kid now he's like ryan how are you how are you getting on you must love doing this i love doing this this is the first time i get to see the whole thing you know um we come back from the break. They're wearing stupid fucking glasses on. They have pencils on their noses. They're drawing each other. And there's two kids who are in the toy show choir. And they actually, to be fair, drop a pretty fucking sick rap, the two of them. I'm not going to lie. It's the sort of rap that you might hear in a skate shop. You know what I mean? Like like good hip-hop that you hear like in your, in your skateboard shop. Not the stuff that you might pick up on like in HMV, you know? You wouldn't know where to shop for this sort of stuff. But you might see it featured in like, you know, some, uh, you know, anti-hero or girl uh kind of skate video <laughs> i keep talking about skateboarding but you know what i mean it was a fucking sick rap um and ed is like that's great you're unreal and he's like he's such a fucking nice dude and he's so calm and confident i mean not that he'd have any reason to be scared going on the toy show but he's a big get you know and he you know he's happy to be there and be fucking around you know he's the biggest star in the world um and he's a nice dude then um, he he sings the song, yet they still finish the show with Circle of Life with the kids, which is fair, but they did just literally let go the the biggest the biggest superstar in the world, Ed Sheeran, um, when he could have sang the song at the end. And I give the kids who rapped, I give them two stars. I don't think they were nice enough to Ed Sheeran. I don't think they were impressed enough by him. <laughs> but look, I know. The, this isn't. This wasn't as fun, and maybe it's the mood that I was in, and maybe next year I can just take it at face value. But I do kind of think that everyone deserves better. I think the 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 realistic the sorry the the real life stories for some of these kids and these families deserve a better framing. I think uh, everyone needs to be a little less you know skittish about something going wrong and just get it fucking right. I think they need to come up with some new bits. I think they need to have more guests on. I think they need to have funny bits that parents and children can laugh at that aren't just so bad that it's good. I think it's better than that. I think it's better than that. The Eurovision's better than that. We need to stop resting on our laurels that it's 
we can get away with it just being subpar. That's just the way I feel. I'm tired. It's now a few hours before this podcast goes out. But thank you very much for having me get to 100. Uh, I really appreciate your very kind support of this pod. I want to thank the sponsor of this week's pod, the Dublin Irish Whiskey. Go to the DLD.com, type in uh, fucking raw, which is what my voice is right now, and you can get 10% off any and all whiskey over there on the DLD. If you like this pod, and you maybe want a happier version of this pod, this Friday I'm going to be ranking and reviewing top five supermarkets in ireland i'm going into each of them with a fiver seeing what i can get telling you what the bargains are like telling you what the shopping experience is like and telling you what the products are like and i'm going to be ranking the top five supermarkets in ireland coming up on the patreon this friday so if you like this pod and you would like to hear more of it you can go over there and for the equivalent of a price of a pint a month you can listen to that as well as the 70 other podcasts that you probably haven't heard yet um, but if not and you don't want any other podcasts but you'd still have to throw a few quid you can certainly do that as well over on the Patreon if you've liked 100 episodes and you'd like to give something you can certainly do so I'm going to lie down now I'm going to rest my voice and I'm going to pray that maybe I can still get a job in RT at some point anyway all the best bye bye let's only get a well shit show